So they're just a small selection of loads of good memories and fun memories. Um, I just wanted to say a couple of things. I'm probably going to embarrass the life out of Andy and Andrea, but unlucky. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say a few things about them before we get them up to pray for them. Um, there's loads of things I love about Andy and Andrea, but probably one of the things I love the best is that they love Jesus wholeheartedly, and they love to worship him. Obviously, they're leaders. They have to be leaders because they're going to lead a church. But also, Andy and Andrea are servants. They give of themselves. They're committed. They always show up. And they've always served us so well as lead pastors. They've been on our team. They've supported us through thick and thin. And we're so grateful for all that they've poured into Carrickfergus Vineyard. Andy and Andrea love community. They love hospitality. They're one of the most hospitable families I know. And I know that's going to be a hallmark of their church, Antrim Coast Vineyard. They're also obedient. They're open to hear the voice of God. They're willing to do what he asks, even if it costs them. Planting a church is a massive thing to do, and I just feel kind of, I hope it's okay to say, proud of them for just hearing the voice of God and following where that has led them, even though it's, it's been hard already and it will be hard in the future. Another thing I love about Andrea and Andy and Andrea is they know they're not perfect. They're very teachable, they're team players, they're willing, the f they're willing to face the ups and downs of leading together, and they've certainly faced that with us over the years. They have such a heart to see people come into relationship with Jesus, to be set free, to bind up the brokenhearted. They long to see that happen in Antrim Coast area, and we're just standing with them and praying that they're going to see that happen. They're going to see God's kingdom come in that place. They're going to see people meet with Jesus for the first time and people set free from their brokenness and their shame. This is a bittersweet time, to be honest, because we're so grateful for all that they've been here at, at Carrick Fergus Vineyard, all that they've done, who they are and how they've served. Um, but like I shared a couple of weeks ago, it's okay to be grateful and desperate at the same time. So we're grateful for all that they've done here, but we're desperate and expectant to see God move through them and their team in this new church plant in Antrim Coast Vineyard. And we're so happy um, that Mark and Carol and Stephen and Karen are going to go with them, that they're going to have people standing alongside them. And we're excited to see who God draws alongside them as well to be in their team and to just do the kingdom work in Antrim Coast. So I just wanted to invite them up right now, if you two could come. I don't know if you just want to say something. My mascara is running already, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, <coughs> yeah, so uh, three things, three things from me. It's not a sermon. Um, first one, just we wanted to say a big thank you uh, to those of you who have uh, prayed with us, who have stood alongside us, and uh, encouraged us in the last, certainly in the last sort of six months, especially I would say. So thank you very much uh, for your support, and very much appreciate that. Second one, uh, second one, second one was um, yes, 
thank you to those of you who's, who who gave so generously when we uh, we, we did the offering here for Framstrom Coast Vineyard. Um, there's been a lot of expense already, so it's been it's been great to have a little something to to cover all of that as we get prepared as God leads us into what uh, what lies ahead. So thank you for those who gave so generously in that. It's very much appreciated. And the third one just uh, is kind of sort of funny one. Uh, th- thank you for those of you who have liked and shared things on social media. Okay, it's a platform that's kind of has its ups and downs, but um, I guess in today's world, it's where a lot of people hear things and see things, and and uh, and, and and that's that's there. So thank you, and please do continue to like and share and and. Uh, don't write silly comments <coughs> if you if you're that inclined. I'm only joking. So um, yes, that's that's it. Th- another thing. I, just as we were we were getting ready this morning, um, I I tend not to look at my phone on a Sunday morning. But uh, there was um, a post uh, a friend of mine put on uh, put on this morning. She's her her dad died hard uh, just just last week. And uh, and she she's a vineyard pastor in England and a friend of mine from when I grew up and she just wrote this and it kind of just resonated very much and I shared it with Andrea and I thought we'll share that this morning because um, it is about stepping out into the unknown and it's about you know trusting in God and just trusting in in everything that that's there. So uh, I'm just going to read this to you. The economy of the kingdom of God is quite simple. Every new step is the king in the kingdom costs us everything we've gained to date. Every new step may cost us all the reputation and security we have accumulated to that point. The disciple is always ready to take the next step. If there's anything that characterizes Christian maturity, it is the willingness to become a beginner again for Jesus Christ. It is the willingness to put our hand in his and just say, I'm scared half to death, but I'll go with you. I'll risk everything to go with you, and you're the pearl of great price. And that, that just really spoke to us both this morning. And uh, and I can see how, you know, going through a bereavement as she has, how that speaks to her. And it was just something that I, I felt called to, to share this morning. Over to you. <coughs> yeah, um, just wanted to share something that God's been speaking to me about really quickly, if that's okay. A few weeks ago, I was walking down Lauren Main Street, uh, c- coming home from work, and I bumped into a lady that I used to work with who's now retired. And she was chatting to me about um, the church plant, and she said, you know, your message, you know, she's quite forthright lady, she said, your message, you know, that's, that's going to fall, that's hard ground here, that's going to be on hard ground. And it's just got me thinking about hard ground because we've heard that quite a bit and people have maybe said oh you know Lauren's quite hard ground and it's hard ground the whole way up the coast and um, it's something actually that somebody had given us a word about three like literally three years ago about we would be somewhere there where there was hard ground and so I've just been asking God what how do you break up hard ground and I was just thinking about this last night and when the six of us were had a wee meeting Last Wednesday, you know, we were talking about it, and we've all said, yes, it's something that people keep saying. And so digging a hard ground or hard soil, there's not a lot you can do. You can get a pickaxe on your own, and even a pickaxe, two people can't hold a pickaxe, and you can start to chip away at the side. But whenever you're sowing onto hard ground, you need to sow something if you want to break up the soil that takes deep root. 
So I've learned, now I don't know anything about gardening, but I've learned about taproot. So if anybody knows their gardening here, they'll know about taproot. And taproot is long, vertical um, seeds that go, grow deep down under the soil, li like sunflowers would be like that. They're very, very resilient. And out of the, the long root grows lots of other roots. And from that, there's more fruit produced. And I just felt God was saying to us that we're going to have to go deep. We're going to have to dig deep with people, with communities, and that we might not see fruit for a, a while. And so I was just thinking about that. And one of the things that he said is like a sunflower, if you pull ahead of a sunflower, you, you don't get the root. It stays and it keeps growing underneath. So I also felt God was just saying, whatever happens, whatever you come up against, you know, putting down deep roots are going to be really important. So I just thought of that and I just would like to ask you to pray about that for us. It would be really great that we will take deep root, um, you know, and that we will then have a crop, <laughs> you know, at some time in the future. And then just the last thank you I wanted to say is thank you to Paul and Chantel. Um, this series that we're doing, Becoming, is just so apt because, you know, you can, we can do lots of things, turn up here, you can um, be part of community, but you need to allow those that lead you um, to help you um, in becoming. And these guys, you know, they've given us so much space and patience and <laughs> all sorts of things over the last years. Um, and they have allowed us, you know, they have given us room to grow and given us um, the space that we need to help us to become what God has had for us. So, um, you know, this series is brilliant and I love it, but you need to, you know, you need to allow people to, um, you know, to get around you and speak life into you and like these guys will. So I just wanted to say thank you to you too because you, I don't, we would not be standing here right now if it wasn't for you. There's no doubt about it. So I just, yeah, thank you. So just before we pray for them, we're so thankful for them and we've just got a wee present for you. So that's for you and they're for you. So, so you might want to set those down and would Stephen and Karen and Mark and Carol come up as well because we'd really like to pray for all of you this morning. This could be a whole bunch of us, so whoever wants to, could you just come up and lay hands on them and we're going to pray. It's okay if there's loads, or that's fine. Gather around. And uh, if you're guests of Andy and Angie, as you came specially this morning, please come, you know, don't have to be a member and all that. Um, so, goodness, my goodness. Folks, will we all stand? Can we do that, please? And uh, so, God, we just welcome your presence. If your presence does not go with us and before us, do not send us from this place, says the Lord. He said that many, many years ago. We say it this morning. He has called you by name. He's leading and guiding. So grateful that you've heard his voice and that you're choosing to be obedient to the voice of the Father that's leading you. And God, we thank you for each and every person who's given their yes to you so far. 
and we ask now that you would fill them with the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Be filled with the presence of Jesus. Be filled. picture for you guys during the worship today and um, it was actually the both of you in the centre of the tornado but that is appropriate because it's the eye of the storm, it's the calm you're the calm in that difficult situation and I just had that picture for you I just had the, the that worship song set a fire down in my soul and I think you have such a fire and a love for the area of Lauren and we just pray into that and pray that that fire is the spark that people start to see and the people that are attracted to it. Um, I just had a picture of uh, a forest and the, the trees on the outer um, on the outside of the forest boys there are the ones who are at the front line and protecting the trees on the inside. Their roots are the deepest and the strongest. And yeah, I just feel the guys that are going with them, they're gonna protect them and get deep roots. So Lord, we're thankful today. We thank you for Andy and Andrea, Mark and Carol, Stephen and Karen. We thank you that they're stepping out in faith. Lord, we thank you that you go before them, you go behind them, you go with them. We thank you that this is an adventure with its ups and its downs. But Lord, we pray that at every step they'll put their hand in yours, that they will not be shaken because you are with them. Folks, whenever a couple get married, usually, you know, they've signed the register and then they kind of go through the center aisle or whatever, everyone chaps and clears and all the rest. Can we stay standing just for one second? Sorry. Can we for, as they return and everyone else returns, can we just do the same and just really celebrate them? Can we do that? Where we go. Please go ahead and take your seats. Uh, we'll take about a minute's break, and uh, then I'll be back in about a minute's time.
Okay. So, Antrim Coast Vineyard begins not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, uh, 8 o'clock at Moyle Primary School uh, in the very heart, in the very center of Larn, uh, 8 o'clock, 10th. And uh, I'm sure some of the, gu the guys would love to see you there. What would be really probably helpful for you is that you don't all kind of show up on the first night because then, uh, then that could be interesting. So maybe just spread it over next, you know, those first few weeks as you go along and encourage them. And, and more importantly than that, if you know of anyone who is in the Larn or the greater sort of area in that kind of vicinity, you know of someone who uh, you've been praying for, who you think could be introduced to the person of Jesus or they're looking for a new church, uh, then please uh, send on the details to them. That would be tremendous. Okay, so uh, this is going to be a very quick sermon this morning. Uh, we're on week three of uh, a new series called Becoming, and uh, we introduced it over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Becoming, we've invited you along on a journey, a journey of discovery, a journey where we become ourselves, where we become the very person that God intended us to be. It will help us to become less like ourselves and much more like Jesus. And the quote that we'll probably use most weeks from a book that we've been reading called um, An Invitation to a Journey has this one quote. This is what spiritual formation or becoming means. is It's a process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. And so far we've concluded that it's a, a process and a journey that we can't do to ourselves. It's nothing that we do or anything that we do that's actually going to change us. It's about him changing us. We do have a role uh, to play in that, and it's a positioning, it's a posturing of the heart. We're going to speak a bit about that this morning. Um, whilst we are focusing on spiritual matters and practices, we made it real clear last week that everything is spiritual, that we shouldn't just compartmentalize life and say, okay, right here, right now, because we're at church, this is spiritual. But tomorrow when I wake up and I go to work and I'm in the office, that's just work. We concluded last week that everything, every single thing that we do is spiritual. And so uh, towards the end of each week, what I'm trying to do is kind of present just a little bit of uh, homework, although that has negative con connotations. So again, I'm inviting you for feedback. A different word, please. Please write in, email me, speak to me later, like you all did last time I asked you to do that, of a different word for homework would be really good. So towards the end of it last week, there was another memory verse that we gave. Can anyone, don't project it yet, please, can anyone remember what that particular verse was and be able to quote it? There's a, there's a really generous prize up for grabs. Anyone want to have a go? Didn't think so. Oh, go on, go on, Corin. Go on, keep a lit. Go on. Yeah. Ah, uh, ah uh ho. Keep it going. Yes. Oh, 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 oh. I, I need to check myself. Um, that you, that you. That you may declare.
that you are called out of darkness into his wonderful light. Give her a round of applause. Yes, she's presented with the Carrick Fergus Vineyard coffee mug as her prize. I tell you what, we're generous here. So um, I'm not sure how I'm going to actually test your uh, homework this week because it's slightly different. But anyway, here we go. This morning, I want us to camp out and around the whole word of what it actually means to become. What does it mean? What is the process that's involved in order that God is the one who can change us? Ultimately, uh, our lives and our relationship with God is one of submission. It's one of surrendering ourselves and placing ourselves in His care, in His space, to give Him the time and the ability to actually change us. Consider our time in the womb. Anyone remember it? Not a lot. Consider our role, our trying, our striving when we were in the womb. What role did you play in that place? None. None. We did absolutely nothing. Once the sperm hit the egg, it was over to Mother Nature, or should I say God's great creation. We just sat there and we just lay there and we just grew and we kind of got bigger. And eventually, in our forming, in our becoming, nature took its place. God's creation took its place. But we needed to be in the right environment, the right environment. And had I done my homework properly, I probably should have asked Kathy or Andrea, give me a bit more about that, you know, what, what actually goes on. All I remember from biology is the umbilical cord between the mother and the child. And all the good stuff kind of comes in and all the bad stuff kind of comes out. And it's kind of that process. Am I right? Good. I did get a B in my geogra MF geography. <laughs> 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 Navigation. Not my best. No. <laughs> I did get a B in geography as well, by the way. I did. That wasn't, I wasn't lying. That was true as well. Uh, but a B in my biology at GCSE. There you go. But in that gestation period, in that time of forming and becoming, we had nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing. And if we just hold that as an image for our becoming like Jesus, there is nothing that we do that actually makes that happen. But it is about placing ourselves in the right environment for that to take place. In the well-known loved Psalm 139, we know these words and we've heard these words. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He did the forming. Look around you. He did a pretty good job. Wonderfully made, fearfully made, in the secret place. And he sees us now. He did the forming. Everything that needed to take place. And it's about us when it comes to spiritual formation, that we place ourselves in the right environment.
environment for that to take place. You see, the problem is when we talk about this subject, we think it's all about us. We think, oh, if I just pray a bit more, if I just read that, if I just do X, Y, and Z, then I'm going to get the results that I'm looking for. And what it ends up becoming is this whole thing in our lives called control. From the moment we are physically formed and we're birthed, we enter into a life where we seek to control our lives. From the very second that we're born, we try and do what we can and the little that we know to get our parents to do what we want them to do for us. As children grow up and they get a little bit older, we seek to do things to get our kids or our friends to play the games that we want to play. And if we continue that pattern of behavior over a lifetime, it becomes about us seeking to control our lives. We alleviate fear from our lives by doing X, Y, and Z. We seek to uh, manipulate people to get to do things to do the way we want them to do. And if we're not careful, that's how we spend our lives. And yet the, the pathway or the narrow path towards Jesus is one of surrender, which is the opposite of control. Mulholland in his book writes this, I don't mind spiritual formation as long as I'm in charge of it. I direct the pace. I determine what the goals are to be. I choose what areas I want to focus on. I lean into the practices that I like doing. This is where we put ourselves in control, where really God is inviting us to put him in control. Mahond also explains that there's a deeper dimension of this need to control that's attached to our meaning, to our value, and to our purpose of being. Put simply, how many of our lives do we go around where our doing determines our being? I'll say that again. How much of our lives are centered around what we do with our life and in our lives validates who we are? And people go around striving, seeking to do all kinds of things because it makes them feel good about themselves. And it's the wrong way round. We should do out of our being. Jesus um, encountered this. And uh, so let me ask you a question. What was, who was Jesus? Just reflect that. Just ponder that. Who was he? Who is he? Who is he? Go on, speak it out. Son of God. That's his true identity, right? And that's his being. Now, he doesn't have to do anything to prove that's his being. So, cast your memories back. Jesus' baptism. Let's read it. Jesus baptized. As he comes up out of the water, we read this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and a lightning on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus' identity and his being was, is the Son of God, who is dearly loved by the Father. And with him the Father is well pleased. Now let's remember, He's 30 years of age. He spent all his life up until that point, as far as we know, working with wood. 
He hasn't done a single miracle at that point, and yet God's saying, I love you. Now, don't get me wrong. Working with wood is spiritual, if we remember last week. But he's not done any of the miracles that we obviously learn that he does over the next three years. His true identity, his being, out of his being, is where he then begins to act, where he begins to exercise his authority, where he begins to speak of the kingdom, etc., etc. And yet, immediately, what happens after his baptism? He's led by the Spirit out into the wilderness to be tested. And it's in that place that we read this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. What's the enemy trying to do right there? The enemy's trying to question Jesus' true identity, trying to question who his real being is. And in so doing, is trying to get Jesus to do something. He's saying this, if you are the son of God, if that is truly who you are, or well why don't you do this? And Jesus quotes scripture, doesn't he? Quotes, man cannot live on bread alone. But he's not tempted, he resists the test, he resists the temptation to actually do something. He's going to be starving, of course he is, he's then not eating anything for 40 days. But he will not, will not uh, be uh, fall into that trap. Jesus acts out of who he is. He doesn't act to validate who he is, if that makes sense. Um, as I was writing this during the week, Kathy uh, and myself, we've just been into school. We've been into the junior site Carrick Academy. Kathy, together with Malcolm and Hugo, are going to be uh, helping uh, doing some mentoring in the local school here and across there at the junior site. And we were in chatting uh, with some of, the, some of the boys that I see one-to-one, and some of the conversations were surrounded around, what is it that you like doing? And they would say, oh, well, you know, I'm really into playing rugby, or I really like playing the guitar, or whatever it might be. And it was really interesting what took place there, because we began to see what they liked doing and what they were good at doing. And in so doing, what we were trying to do was begin to call out in them who they are. So it's kind of like the other way around. I hope this is beginning to make sense. Because here's the thing. If all we do is validate what people are good at, and if we all we do is celebrate and all we continue in our lives to do, 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 but we don't realize why we do it, or it's because who we are first, then all we do is perpetuate, you need to succeed, you need to be good at this, you need to be good at that. Our conversation wasn't just about what they were good at doing. It was trying to call out who they really are. We're speaking words of life. You're a great kid. We really think you can do that. That's not 
when we talk about negative behavior, that's not who you really are. And what we're really seeking to do is go after their being, not their doing. We're not addressing actions in people's lives. We're addressing the core of who the person really is. Now, word of caution. I'm not contradicting what I said last week when I said what we do is as important as who we are. But what we do comes from the place of who we are. So us who are parents, we would do well not to just celebrate and champion our kids when they do something well or um, chastise them when they do something wrong. But we would always be using words of encouragement, words of life, which are simply, I love you, just cause. You're amazing. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're great. You're this, and God loves you too. That it just comes from that place that we know who we are, and it's out of that place that we do what we do. Why am I drilling this so hard? It is because as we approach spiritual practices, which we will get to, when we talk about uh, reading the scriptures, when we talk about praying in certain ways, that we don't make those things a religious experience. That we just do them out of our striving, out of our doing. We do them from a place of understanding who we are and whom we belong to first. It's a word I, I, I keep using, posturing. That we would posture ourselves, coming to him with a posture of a heart that, that sometimes that just simply says this. I'm here, I'm yours, I'm available, I surrender, come and have your way. I give you access to all areas in my life. And in that place and out of that place, we choose to spend time in his presence. I woke up this morning, um, my first thoughts were this. Uh, I feel like there's many of us who are praying really hard for something right now, praying that God would change the situation or whatever it might be right now. And that's absolutely right that we do that. I'm, what I'm about to say, I'm not saying don't pray for that, don't contend for that. But I had just wondered in our action-orientated life where, we wanna, where we're so impatient and we want to see change tomorrow, I just sense that for some of us, it's a period of just waiting. Uh, that we come before the Lord and we just say, God, you're in control. I, I'm not in control of these circumstances. And yes, God, I'd really love things to be different right now. But I choose to trust you. I choose to surrender myself to you. Have your way. I think so, too many of us treat God like Santa Claus. You know, we, 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 just, we just ask for things because we want them. And sometimes I think we think that we're like the little boy who, if we're good enough, maybe Santa Claus will give us the gift that we want at Christmas. When actually, God just wants us. That's all he wants is us. 
And the best advice, I said this publicly uh, a number of weeks ago, the best advice we can give Andy and Andrea and the guys that are going to go is, is not to think that it's about them. Yes, there's an obedient to a call, but they're the project, not the church. The church will be amazing. I have every confidence. God's all over it. I have every, every faith that lives will be set free, the kingdom will come. Uh, of every, yeah, that's going to happen. But God's much more interested in their hearts than in what they do. Because their hearts and their being is much important than what they do. And it's the same for each and every one of us. That's uh, really short this morning because we don't have any more time. But as we continue this journey, that we would really, really understand it's about posturing ourselves. God is just looking for open hearts, that there would be a hunger, that there would be a desire for change, but that we would get it in our heads. It's not about what we do. It's about just simply putting ourselves before him. And we come from that place of who we are. And what we do comes from the place of who we are, not what we do validates who we are. That has been a ramble. I know it has, because I can tell it is. Okay. But I hope that you've understood something of what I was trying to say in the middle of it all. Why don't we stand together? helps to close your eyes why don't you just go ahead and do that we're just going to end this morning posturing our hearts we're just spending some time just in, s in the silence giving each one of us time and space allow him access to who we are so please don't even pray please don't check your phones just be in his presence
And so this might feel like a really strange way to end a service. But what we have just done there, that's our, that's our homework for the week. Please give me a better word for that. Please give me some suggestion. I'm encouraging each, each one of us here this week to spend two minutes per day, a very, very small amount of our time, just practicing that. And don't analyze it like, oh, that wasn't much, or God didn't do much, or that was just, I just, my thoughts veered off left, right, and center. But in a way, you're just simply saying, I, I surrender this time and this to you. God will do some really profound things, even though you don't realize it, by just simply practicing his presence in that time. So Lord, thank you for your presence. We pray that we would sense your presence throughout the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen.